0: Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life podcast. We're now eight episodes in, and we've been fortunate to have some outstanding guests since we relaunched the podcast back in March. I'm especially excited about this episode, as our guest is someone who probably doesn't need an introduction to anyone who's been around the Charleston technology and entrepreneur communities, even for a little while. He's a technologist, a serial entrepreneur and startup founder, a community leader, and a teacher. In many ways, he's the heart of the local technology community, thanks to his passionate leadership and willingness to give back to the community. I'm your host, Rich Conti, and I'm once again here in the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridors flagship incubator to bring you another great episode. This episode is brought to you by Charleston Open Source, a tech talent attraction initiative designed to build awareness of Charleston's thriving tech economy and attract tech professionals to the region. On our show today as a guest, we have Tom Wilson. Tom is founder and CEO of Hyper63. Welcome to the show, Tom.
1: Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, Tom, can you get started by giving us sort of an overview of Hyper63, your mission, uh, solutions and services, customers and progress to
1: date? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hyper is a company focused on building products and services for developers, improving the development experience, and as a result, development teams are able to grow into high-performing teams and create incredible products. I like to kind of sum that whole phrase up as our focus is developer happiness. It's what we think about every day.
0: That's great. And now you've had a sort of long career here in tech in Charleston, um, you know, starting back um, you know, with several companies. Talk to me a little bit about some of your experiences at Jack Russell, Tabula Rasa, and others that, that have especially impacted you professionally in terms of how you sort of approach technology in the industry now.
1: I've been fortunate to really be involved in technology development for over 25 years now, <laughs> and I've uh, seen the characterize... A, great old movie the good the bad and (laughs) the ugly (laughs) um so you know getting started back in those days you had no internet and dot matrix printers Mm -hmm. and small area networks and um there really wasn't much of a development process it was really focused on the mission and getting software out the door shipping software And, and you had to put them on disk or CDs and and all that. So so I really got the um experience of kind of seeing this whole development life cycle, this whole ecosystem of development refinement over time as the internet came on board and like I said with the good, the bad, the ugly, there's, you know, some good practices to follow, there's some mm-hmm. bad and and then there's some really ugly practices and and again there's a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that, you know, with the agile movement coming on in the agile manifesto in the early 2000s, just thinking from first principles and really understanding your environment, mm-hmm. understanding your people, and then having these tools to shape for success based on the learnings of other people. And, and the Internet being able to spread knowledge and transfer knowledge is just open this world into the exciting place that mm-hmm. we have today, as well as the future, right? The future is very exciting and, and no one is um getting bored mm-hmm. of development right now.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm in product development at BlackBot and it's interesting how an industry around the industry has grown up. You talked sure. about, you know, there are companies out there that, you know, are tremendously successful by helping product development companies be better at what they do, how to you know, apply different methodologies. Um, I got exposed to agile, um, you know, in the early days and, uh, at my previous employer, Thompson Financial, back in the early 2000s, yeah. and then have been along Lackwod's adoption cycle yeah. with it, and it's it's still ongoing. It's not yeah. like it's a it's a destination you reach and say, "Great, we know how we're doing things," because things always change.
1: That's right, and and one of the most exciting elements of the development journey is is seeing. Junior engineers become polished software engineers, polished software Mm -hmm. engineers growing into seniors and seniors growing into great leaders, whether moving to a product front or an architect front Mm -hmm. or a management front. So it's just uh, really neat. And I don't think people realize how much of a people ecosystem software development is. It
0: really is. Yeah, I I read an interesting blog post that you wrote a little while back about the role of the CTO, chief technical officer in a startup company. Um, You know, talk to me a little bit about sort of what sort of led you to write that blog post. What were you thinking about? What what need did you see needed to be filled?
1: Being part of the Charleston technology community and the um, entrepreneur community here in Charleston, also being fortunate to work from startups that have gone from garage all the way to public companies, you start to see a couple of trends. And, and, and a lot of startups, you know, kind of either bootstrap on a very low budget or mm-hmm. they have high in intensive funding that's expecting results like yesterday. Yeah. So engagement with, with freelancers or, or bringing people on or engaging with managed services companies there just wasn't a lot of focus on what I would call kind of the first principles to, you know, not only deal with development of shipping things as soon as possible, but also setting yourself up for success in the future. And I've always seen a CTO's role as really kind of that visionary and accountability guide. Right? They they may not be able to satisfy every challenge, but they're the ones that are responsible for kind of holding the team accountable and and making sure we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but also we're meeting the needs of of the business from the technology side, kind of of a, a, a good counterpart for a great product manager, right?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think we see in a lot of startups, uh, you know, particularly when you've got a, a technically inclined founder, they sort of almost by default take on that role of t- right. a CTO. But they may not always be the, best, the person best suited for that. What are some of the qualities you think make a really good um, you know, startup CTO?
1: And it's true. Like the first developer for a startup typically, get, typically gets the role CTO. Mm-hmm. But but and what prompted me to write the article is, well, well the titles are great. But but do you understand kind of the responsibilities, right? <laughs> and yes, a, a couple of them are like values and principles. Uh, again, o- oftentimes founders have a, a great idea and a great vision, but don't necessarily do a great job of getting it into clear, communicational kind of constructs for everyone on their team to mm-hmm. understand. So so I think values and principles is a great starting point to start that transfer of knowledge. And one of the benefits of getting that down on paper is now you as a founder, you don't become the point person on the decision. Actually, your values represent kind of that decision framework. So it empowers your team to be more autonomous. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, I understand the main goal now and I understand my skill set, I can put those two together to actually provide more value for the company. So, so that's a big one. And then, um, strategy and vision for the development shop, right? So you have all kinds of technologies to choose from, and you can spend debates for days about semicolons or, you know, um, not semicolons or tabs versus spaces. And those those are kind of silly, but there's real architectural decisions that have to happen. And if you um, really don't think about a strategy, you can very much, and I've been here before, Mm -hmm. very much end up like Mm Baskin-Robbins, right? You've got a product that's got 31 different frameworks, 31 different architectures. And when um, a new person gets onboarded, they feel like they have to take six months to understand everything. So, so understanding that up front, and you know, coming up with a a way to document best practices and common methodology that your team can, and it can always be changed. It's not in stone. But if you don't start with something, you know, and Conway's law, right? If if you don't organize, your culture will organize for you. Right? Um, and then the the third is kind of um, a big one for transparency and it really has to do with empathy. Learning how to empathize with your business stakeholders and your clients and just find out what is motivating them to this product? What what will make them think this product is the best thing in the world versus Mm -hmm. the worst thing in the world? Add that into your team's kind of decision making over time. That kind of translates into writing good documentation, providing more clarity and communication mm-hmm. instead of, you know, I'm on it, it'll be done. Well, m- maybe it's like more detail on exactly when it will be done and what the user should expect. What can they validate to verify that you wrote the right feature the right way and mm-hmm. give them a channel or a mechanism to say, you know, this is close. Or <laughs> what happens a lot is a stakeholder might see something you've done and and realize that it can be approved on Mm -hmm. and and make that a positive experience instead of a negative experience. Right. Right. So so I I really think uh, shaping a CTO's role, regardless of what other hats they may Mm -hmm. wear, thinking about those responsibilities can really um, set that that startup development team building process for success. Yeah.
0: You talked about um, empowerment and providing autonomy you know, as being part of the, the role of the startup CTO or CTO in any organization. And you know, you've got your—I um, think—a you know, tremendous technology educator. So it feels like that's sort of ingrained in into who you are now at this point. That can be a challenging thing for somebody with a deep level of technical expertise to, you know, effectively seed some of, you know, their not just control, but their their influence over certain things to others. But how critical is that to the success of, a, of an engineering organization?
1: I personally think it's, it's pretty critical. And I guess I've kind of um, made my living off mm-hmm. of that. I, I've my, my dad is an old football coach. So uh, we were coached. We weren't raised, we were coached. <laughs> um, and I guess I've uh, taken some of that philosophy, but I always feel like, you know, great leaders create great leaders, mm-hmm. right? And, and regardless of what role, the more leaders you have in your team, in your organization, you know, the potential percentage of success just goes so much higher than just getting kind of mercenaries that's just, you know, hitting that clock, clock in and out. So if they feel like that they're accountable, they're creating value. You know, they engage, and and I think really great things happen.
0: In, in my role as a product manager, my favorite relationships with engineers are the ones who you know bring ideas to the table, right? Who aren't just waiting on quote a spec or a use case or a you know prototype, and are just trying to code directly to that 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 healthy discussion and that back and forth about looking at things from different angles. You know, I have background and expertise and experiences they don't have and vice versa. And that's what makes the job fun. I think when, when you're working in that type of culture.
1: Ab- absolutely. One of the things that, that I, I really try to, you know, provide is, is get that on paper, make mm-hmm. sure that's clear because some people might not be speaking up just because they know or think they can't. Right. How many times have you said, is there any questions at the end of this meeting? And it's just crickets, <laughs> you know, um, because maybe they're like, well, he's not talking to me, yeah, right? right? I'm just a junior developer. He's, you know, so so the the more we are a team, I don't have all the greatest mm-hmm. ideas. I welcome input and feedback and and we will be better with the most diverse feedback we could possibly get for these problems. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the worst is, you know, you ask that question, you get, you know, you get no questions, but then, you know, you know, leaving the meeting, you see people back channeling each other on Slack or, you know, via email or Teams, right? And right. Then, then, you know, you've got work to do because you That's don't, right. you don't have the culture that you want, right. right? Well, what what are some of the challenges you think sort of that uniquely that a startup CTO faces that maybe, you know, in some other environments might not be a challenge?
1: You know, the the larger you grow, the more everybody still has about the same hats, but, but, um, they get, you know, spread up to more roles. So when you're in a startup, oftentimes you're wearing many hats. You you may be, you know, the, the head coder, you may be the scrum master, you may (laughs) be the product manager, you may. Um, so, so I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges is knowing you might have to wear a lot of hats up front, but also knowing that in order for you to be successful, Transitioning to to delegating those things, um, getting this information in a in a documented way, so that as the company grows and you bring on more help, you're not spending all of your time focusing on training that help um, because the business is not going to stop. Right, and they're going to say, "Well, we need this tomorrow. We need this yesterday." So, so that that's one of the biggest things is just you know, it's it's almost like coming into a, a sprint with a good plan versus not planning at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you get two different outcomes and you can probably predict which one is going to be better.
0: Yeah. And so a lot of um, early stage startups sometimes don't necessarily have the resources to have a full time dedicated uh, CTO. A model you see out there is sort of the fractional chief technology officer. Talk a little bit about that, where you see that, where it can work, what some of the, the, the pitfalls are.
1: Yeah, um, so, and and actually at, at Hyper, so we we have um, a product that's kind of a, a back-end, one API, many services, but we mm-hmm. also have launched a, a fractional CTO service because we've seen the need of so many startups that, you know, have um, developers heads down, crunching, and just needs someone to provide some strategy some some vision some some guidance for maybe non-technical founders um, and and really kind of help them get set up for success in in terms of of development and and help you know again communicate that vision and those great ideas and, and show them a way to empower their teams to participate in that journey instead of just kind of be there.
0: Now you've been involved obviously in the Charleston tech community for quite a long time. And, you know, you obviously have a reputation as evangelist and advocate for, for the community. Um, we talked about sort of your role as an educator. Um, you know, as you sort of went through that journey and you saw the community here grow, was there any you know point where you were consciously like I know you mentioned sort of having being a coach built into your DNA, but right. you know was there ever a point where you sort of realized, well, yeah, this is actually a hat that I want to wear that you know that it's important to me that this community grows and that I'm a part of it, and sort of what what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of funny, Rich. Um, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, Ben in the development community here since 95. And I know Blackbot in the early 2000s, maybe late, um, you know, 1999 Mm -hmm. had some, you know, Microsoft focus, uh, meetup events, but Mm -hmm. there really wasn't anywhere else to go. And you, you know, back then open source was just starting off Mm -hmm. in 2005, 2006. So, um, one of the things that I started was the, uh, Ruby community meetup and you know just uh put it out there and sent some probably emails back then I don't know if they had Twitter <laughs> um, but but got the word out and you know started inviting people that that uh, worked in other companies and and really you know you sort of get a vibe that everybody is kind of struggling with very similar problems and if we just have you know at first it kind of started as a place to just you know, almost uh bend a little bit mm-hmm. or, or share, but then you're like, you know, there's a lot of power in having, you know, kind of a safe place to go talk to other people in other companies that are experiencing the same thing. And I think that really captured and and, and again education with technology is not, you know, go to school, get a degree, and you're done. It's constant. <laughs> it's continuous, yeah. right? So even just meeting once a month and people sh- sharing what they learned, you know, can just help people grow, help me grow. Um, so I think that really kind of kicked it off. And and then when you would hear things um, when we uh, had the bar camps and people would come up and never presented before, go, go and present. And you just, you just really got a sense of this round up movement and just seeing joy of people having fun and knowing that there's others out there like them, you know, going through this journey.
0: Yeah. I love the way you put that and talked about it as ground up because really in large part, the growth of the technology industry in Charleston is really the story of growth of individuals, right. That's and right. and they attract other individuals and, and learn from each other. And I, you know, I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. it's not just about new companies popping up. It's all the people in those companies and, and the community
1: absolutely and and one thing that that i've learned um over the years and don't know if you echo this belief but but uh i think when you see companies give junior developers their first break there's some sort of connection or bond where there's a tremendous amount of loyalty Mm -hmm. and even if they move on from the company and go you tend to stay in touch more you tend to run into each other and have curious things to talk about and all that. There's just really a lot of joy there when you see these developers grow over the years.
0: Well, what do you think some of the challenges and opportunities we face as a community going forward, right? We've, we've had, you know, gosh, it's running on 10 plus years of really incredible growth. Um, The city's changed quite a bit. Uh, There's more companies popping up every day. There's, you know, there's pros and cons to that. What are some of the challenges and opportunities you see?
1: Charleston is is kind of like um, our road system. As soon as you create a four lane, you need a six lane. As soon as you create a six lane, you need an eight lane, right? Uh, as soon as we get some talent, we need more talent. And as soon as we have 30 companies, then we have 300 companies. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's a race, but I don't think it's ever going to be caught up. Uh, right. I, I do think with COVID, some of the... Uh, culture and habits are shifting a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think companies and startups need to embrace more remote flex development. And I I think that there's more different kinds of development than just full-time work, have a career. I think you're going to see a lot more flex work and a lot more community organization work where Um, developers may work a few months for this, and then they may go work a few months for that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And, and that's an opinion. That's not Mm -hmm. a a fact, but I, I just see that everyone is more aware that, and, and, and I'll probably sound really old saying this, but there's more to life than just work, right? There's a lot more out there. And, um, we all are fortunate to have opportunities and, and, Live in a in a place where we have the ability to make life decisions and still provide value. Right. So, so I think flexibility is probably the one opportunity and challenge as we move forward.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And and your folks, I think are just at all levels are just starting to get that 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 flexibility isn't counterproductive right? It actually can be additive, right? Because you, you know, you get that more of cross-pollination between different, you know, employees at different companies that may just share a geographic region or some other affinity that they otherwise, you know, if they were going into an office every day from nine to five and, and, you know, the pandemic was an instigator or initiator for a lot of this change. But I think that the desire for that change has been sort of building for a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, kind of, Thinking in the head of, of developers mm-hmm. and engineers, um, you know, after you uh, go to school or, or, or get trained, you know, they're like, "Are you a back end engineer or front end engineer, or you know, what are you?" And 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 that's kind of a tough question, right? Because yeah. they don't really know yet. Yeah. You know, it's like well, if you haven't kind of had a chance to try different things, how can you kind yeah. of filter that? So I, I think this kind of uh, formula will allow developers to find their purpose or their joy faster and, and and again if you think about it in a macro level that provides huge benefit to companies because you have more of a chance of inserting roles into areas of expertise that they're passionate about and and if you're like me if you've seen a developer that's passionate about a certain area you see that kind of 10x right yeah. um, but if they're not passionate you're going to see a 1x yeah. they'll get it done. But they're not gonna they're not gonna shoot it to the moon so yeah.
0: well, and they just you know, take the work and add so much more dimension to it, like things like I talked about earlier an engineer who's or an architect who's engaged is bringing dimensions to the work that you know right. again if they're 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 not passionate about it that it's much more difficult to
1: sort of get that out absolutely right.
0: well what's what's on the horizon for hyper sixty
1: three so we're um about ready to go to beta. With, with our, our product, our, our software as a service product great. that um, I, I invite everyone to check out. You can go to hyper.io and sign up with a, a GitHub account. It can't be any easier yeah. to sign up. And and basically, you know, uh, we want to get developers on that platform and building great applications. Uh, it, it really goes to all the principles we've talked about. And really focused on helping the developer, kind of focus on solving problems and not focus on kind of the, um, the general purpose work.
0: Great, yeah. Tom Wilson, founder and CEO of Hyper Sixty Three. Thanks for coming on today, Tom.
1: Hey, thanks, Rich. It's great seeing you.
0: That wraps up this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to Tom as much as I did. Once again, this episode is sponsored by Charleston Open Source, a tech talent attraction initiative designed to build awareness of Charleston's thriving tech economy and attract tech professionals to the region. And thanks, of course, to the Charleston Digital Corridor for their partnership in bringing this show to you. If you haven't checked out earlier episodes, I encourage you to give them a listen. And I hope you'll subscribe to the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So you don't miss an episode while you're there. Leave us a rating and review. So we know how we're doing and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Rich Conti, And this has been the Charleston digital corridor tech life podcast.